When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Why don't black people like baseball anymore? It's the game. It's old-fashioned and stuck in the past. You got the white-haired white guy announces. You've got cheesy old organ music at the games. I mean, where's the beats by Dre? And every team is building a bullshit, fake, antique stadium that's supposed to remind you of the good old days. You know, the good old days of Roof, DiMaggio, Emmett Till. Welcome to The Real Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. You just heard a clip from comedian Chris Rock's 2015 appearance on Real Sports when he came on the show to do a little venting about the modern game of baseball. Specifically, Rock, a diehard fan himself, talked about how baseball had lost touch with Black America, leading to a notable decline in interest among African-American fans and in participation at the major league level among African-American ballplayers. Chris Rock, as he does, joked about it, but for many, it's long been a puzzling trend and one that hasn't reversed course in the six years since Rock came on the show. While much in the world has changed since 2015, on opening day rosters this year, less than 8% of players were African-American. It's a rate similar to what we saw in the major leagues in the late 1950s. As a matter of fact, the number of African-American ballplayers in baseball has been steadily declining for almost 40 years now, leaving many to wonder why and to consider what the future of baseball may look like in Black America. On this episode, we'll hear Chris Rock's assessment and we'll be joined later by Doug Glanville, former Major League outfielder turned broadcaster and writer, who will share with us his insights. But first, here's Chris Rock on Real Sports in 2015. I'm an endangered species, a black baseball fan. Why don't black people like baseball anymore? When I was growing up, we loved baseball. I followed the Mets, and in 1986, we won it all with Doc, Darrell, Mitchell, and my man Mookie. Back then, almost 20% of all major leaguers were African-American, and I could actually have conversations with other black people about baseball. Hey, what's up, man? You see the game last night? Yeah, it was great. Now, if I say to a black person, did you see the Met game last night? They'll say, what the fuck's a Met? Last year, the San Francisco Giants won it all without any black guys on the team. The closest thing to a person of color in the stands was their mascot, a biracial seal. 
If you want to see a SEAL club to death, let them stroll through Brooklyn flashing those rings. And the team the Giants had to beat to get there, the St. Louis Cardinals, had no black players either. None. How could you ever be in St. Louis and see no black people? And, and get this, their crowds were more than 90% white, like the Ferguson Police Department. Baseball isn't 20% black anymore, it's 8% and falling fast. That's an average of two guys per team. And those two probably listen to Blake Shelton to keep from getting their ass kicked by their teammates. Running them red dirt roads out, kicking up dust. Stillman is one of the oldest black schools in America. Almost every kid there is black, except for these 36, the baseball team. One black kid and 35 white guys. And at Howard University, the Harvard of black colleges, they said fuck it and just canceled baseball altogether. Now, they still have volleyball, tennis, even lacrosse. Yeah, lacrosse was black enough for Howard, but not baseball. Some people say it's money. Baseball is too expensive. But hey, Dominicans play it. This is a tiny third world island, and it dominates baseball. And the only equipment they have are twigs for bats, diapers for gloves, and Haitians for bases. It's not the money. You can't tell me black kids can't afford baseball when everybody's buying Jordans for $300. That's six gloves right there. It's the game. It's old-fashioned and stuck in the past. You got the white-haired white guy announces. You've got cheesy old organ music at the games. I mean, where's the beats by Dre? And every team is building a bullshit fake antique stadium that's supposed to remind you of the good old days. You know, the good old days of Ruth, DiMaggio, Emmett Till. Guess what? Black people don't like to look back. Throwback Thursday is about as far back as black people like to go. But baseball can't get enough. Last month, they had a throwback baseball tournament where everybody got dressed up like it was the 1860s, back when batting runners in meant putting down a slave rebellion. Had it down in Franklin, Tennessee, at a plantation. Then the next day, they all went back to their jobs as corrections officers and state senators. Baseball wants everything to stay the way things used to be. The world has sped up, but the game is slower than ever. Last year, the Mets played a half inning with no hits, no hits, and it took more than 22 minutes. That's a whole episode of Key and Peele. Where is A.A. Ron right now? And baseball doesn't just have rules from another time. It has an old-fashioned code, too. When you score in football or basketball, the players celebrate. Good times, come on! But when you score in baseball, the code says, you better not look too happy about it, or else a baseball will go whizzing by your head. It's the only game where there's a right way to play the game. The white way. The way it was played 100 years ago, when only whites were allowed to play. This code doesn't exist in other places where they play baseball, like Korea, where bat flipping is an art form. Or the Caribbean, where the games are a carnival. The old Negro Leagues were a carnival too. There were actual clowns on the roster. They played with invisible balls pitched through their legs. But in America's proper version of the game, baseball is like a visit to the queen. If you don't bow correctly, it could be an international incident. When Yasiel Puig got here two years ago from Cuba, the first thing the Dodgers told him was, be ready to duck. 
Baseball even knows it's uncool. They've tried every trick in the book to be hip, but they just look so desperate. Hasidic beards, exploding home run signs. They even try to steal cool from cool black guys. But all that ever does is make the black guy look uncool. Look what happened to 50 Cent when he tried to throw out the first pitch. Just a bit outside. Hasn't had a hit record since. I don't care about any of this as a black guy. I care about this as a baseball fan. We don't really need baseball, but baseball needs us. Fact is, black America decides what's hot and what young people get excited about. Ask the men's golf tour or the women's tennis tour. Why don't you just ask Mitt Romney? You lose black America, you lose young America. And make no mistake, baseball is losing. Yeah, the owners made more money than ever last year. But while they were celebrating, kids were skateboarding away. Little League participation has fallen 20% since 1995. World Series viewership is down 50% during the same time. Of the people who still watch baseball on TV, five out of six are white, and their average age is 53. That's not an audience. That's a Tea Party rally. Baseball is dying. Literally. Maybe if baseball gets a little hipper, a little cooler, just a little more black, the future can change. But till then, blacks and baseball just ain't a good match anymore. Blacks don't seem to care, but baseball should be terrified. We're now joined by Doug Glanville. He's a former Major League outfielder who played for the Phillies, Cubs, and Rangers. Today, Doug is an analyst on ESPN, as well as a contributor to The Athletic and The New York Times. Doug, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. An honor to be here. We just heard Chris Rock put forth some theories of his own, but but why do you think there are so few African-American ballplayers at the Major League level today? Well, for starters, uh, you know, Chris Rock did a, a brilliant piece on really a combination of the cultural questions that continue to plague and impact baseball vis a vis the representation, uh, you know, of, of black players. And I think that some of those elements, you know, still ring true. Uh, I, I look at what he's saying, or I hear it as a, almost a cultural competency question, right? The feeling of being welcome in any given environment. There is a cultural side of, well, playing the game the right way, as he said, right? A certain way that harkens back. Now, as a baseball fan, and myself included, we have a certain appreciation of tradition. And I understand that you go back and you want to remember and compare eras and different things like that. There's value in that. But when it excludes others from influencing that culture and moving it forward, you have a, you have a problem. I played in winter ball in Puerto Rico, and I loved it. I mean, there was bands, there was salsa bands, dance teams. I mean, so when you look at other environments that celebrate baseball differently, you realize that these are the players coming from countries or in, in the case of the black community, coming from other circumstances that uh, that celebrate the game in a different kind of way. And, and the other quick point I want to make is the development, part of the cultural competency around development. Players, uh, you might be a top athlete in high school and you look and say, well, do I want to go through this you know, long stopping in the minor leagues, uh, sometimes running into challenges with middle management? And there's a lot of misunderstanding about the pyramid to get to the top. Yeah, you raise an interesting point there that 
the the way baseball players are paid and the way they advance their careers. They're under team control and really uh, paid modestly relative to other pro athletes for many years. You you think that's a contributing factor to garnering interest among multifaceted young well, as athletes? You, as you mentioned, it's it's a fact that if people have options, it might be athletic options, but it's also entertainment options. So, so that affects your fan base and those who will decide to invest in the game. In my case, before I'm a professional, I invest in the game as a fan. I'm interested in it. So if you, you're losing that, you're also losing a certain degree the pipeline to that opportunity. And then they look up and say, wait a minute. I mean, here's, here's how it went for me. I went to Geneva, New York, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Daytona Beach, Florida, Orlando, Florida, Des Moines, Iowa, Mesa, Arizona, Mayaguez, Puerto Rico. Then I was in Chicago. And that that, that was like 10% that might even make it. And, and that is, can be very discouraging. You mentioned uh, a, a layer of exclusivity. I mean, how much of this starts at the youth level? What do you see when you uh, go to little league games around the country? Is there something fundamental that's missing in attracting kids from the Black community? Well, this is the larger point around just the lack of interest in certain re uh, regards in the Black community around baseball. And so you have to dive into the economics, the social consequences, the housing. The I mean, this is a multi-layered. So for example, uh, most of the cities, I'm in Connecticut, so most of the cities are Black and Brown or the surrounding inner ring suburbs. And then you go out to the rest of the state and you lose, there's like no Black population. And typically, a lot of these resources follow these, you know, this suburban flight and you need certain level of resources uh, to house fields and, and, by the way, be mini pros. I know Chris Rock makes the point about playing in the Dominican, but now when you watch my son or my daughter playing, you have leagues that have alternate uniforms and all, you know, and they're like mini professionals. I mean, so to keep up with that, it's, it's very difficult if you don't have the resources in this country. Uh, so, so you do have a little league challenge and, and it's not very diverse if you're you know, in the black community in the city, then that's that's your constituency. And then, so you don't have as much of the crossover. So it's no shock that a lot of the black players that may come through are coming from suburban environments where they're not in diverse settings, but they're at least exposed to having the resources around them to support such a game. Even beyond the youth level, Doug, we heard uh, from Chris Rock about historically black colleges stocking teams with almost all white players or scrapping baseball altogether. What do you make of that? Well, I can speak directly. I mean, my parents both went to HBCUs. My brother started at literally Howard University, the example that he gives. Um, so I know, and, and I know the challenges that he had. And that was back in the early 80s. Uh, but but there's a lot of sports, gymnastics, for example. I mean, you see the tremendous diversity of the U.S. gymnastics team, but there's no gymnastics program in HBCUs. Uh, so you, there's a definite disconnect to the development. And as I mentioned, part of development is fandom. Well, back in 2015, when Chris Rock came on the show, we also dug into some data on this trend. Real Sports worked with the Marist Poll and Center for Sports Communication to conduct polling. And Doug, I want to play for you a clip of Bryant Gumbel summarizing some of what we found, because the numbers would seem to support Chris Rock's assessment that contrary to popular belief, the rising cost of playing youth baseball does not seem to be what's keeping black participation low, but other aspects of the game are in fact leading fans and players to lose interest. Take a listen. Of those polled, blacks were no more likely than whites to say that baseball equipment was too expensive or that the cost of joining travel youth leagues was too high. But they were far more likely to say that the game is old and slow 
twice as likely to say the game just takes too long, and three times more likely to say it's old-fashioned. So, Doug, to me, that info bears the question. Is it something about the way the game is being played that's pushing people away? Well, there's definitely a, a correlation there. It's a tempo. And tempo, when you're in this world of baseball that now is focused on really decision-making trees and the sort of analytical side, you've slowed the game down because players are making the calculation like it doesn't matter if I strike out as long as every once in a while I hit this home run. And that's what gets rewarded in your contract time and your opportunity time. And on one hand, you're, you're seeing it on the game side, right? Referencing the idea that the game's too slow. And what it's become is a lot of these three outcomes we hear, home runs, strikeouts, and walks. And what that does is, since a lot of balls are not put in play, you're losing the athleticism of these great athletes. You're, you're losing the fact that someone could steal or hit and run or move runners. You have shifted defenses that are taking hits away. So a lot of that is cut into the athletes independently showcasing this, these tremendous skills. So So it's really slowed down and you have vast periods where the ball's not in play. There's just no action. So that's the game side. Now, now one thing I would speak to personally is, you know, I played for the Phillies and I was traded over there from the Chicago Cubs in 1997. So my first full season was 1998. My great uncles and aunts all settled in Philadelphia and they were still upset at how baseball treated Jackie Robinson, how the Phillies treated Jackie Robinson from the 1950s because they were very late to their integration. It was 10 years later. And so they liked baseball, but they didn't want to go to the field. They didn't want to support it until I literally showed up like 50 years later. I mean, that that's the pain that, you're, that is related to this. So on one hand, yes, the, the game culture is partly the game, but it's also just being representative. And and look, look in the dugouts, look at the ownership, look at the general managers, the decision makers. This is very homogenous. <laughs> this is very homogenous. So you don't have a certain sensitivity around it, even with the best of intentions, you're not fully representing. And so understanding the interests of these fans and why their connection to the sport is, is so different and needs to be addressed differently. Major League Baseball has been doing a lot, it seems, to try and make inroads back into the Black community, creating different programs, opening academies to grow engagement in the inner cities. They also made two noteworthy decisions fairly recently I wanted to talk to you about. They recognized the history of the Negro Leagues. And of course, more recently, they moved the All-Star Game out of Atlanta, protesting a voting rights bill in the state of Georgia. Do you see those decisions as strategic on the part of Major League Baseball to show a greater awareness around issues of race? They're strategic. They're, they're intentional. And I think it's important when it comes to diversity and inclusion to be intentional and to be strategic, as well as really passionate and understanding it on a, on a deeper level. Uh, yeah, respecting that they do run a business, respecting these elements. But you have to, especially nowadays, the sensitivity is there to be able to recognize that people are interested in your social positioning. It's important to people. And, and they need to see imagery and feeling like they're welcome in any environment. And when you're confronting the fact that uh, the Negro Leagues basically dissolved after Jackie Robinson left and went into Major League Baseball, that you can't make that a footnote. That That is a direct uh, you know, assault on sort of Black communities that were, by the way, forcibly in many cases segregated and these are their businesses that depended somewhat on the negro leagues and then that that dissipated for the greater good but then what did you do to fill that void 
There those, so so it's nice that Robinson came and a few talented players made it. But then you're looking at the larger society where these black communities didn't have access to all these other opportunities. So they created their own. It was th- these sort of conflicting choices where you 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 can't get both is always been a challenge as in, in black society, right? And and so they're recognizing that. I think they did jump into the deep end of the pool from the political sense. And uh, I have an appreciation for what they're trying to do. I think they're really trying to be more intentional about how they're taking on these issues. Well, specifically the all-star game decision, you know, it came uh, amidst a certain degree of public pressure, which might lead some to question whether it is a genuine indicator of Major League Baseball changing its tune or taking on a different attitude about race or something of a PR stunt to gain back favor in that community. Civil rights came from pressure. And so I understand Major League Baseball feeling that. Now, they were first and kind of only to take this step. So there's something to be said for that, that they went on this limb and said, we're going to do this. Now, you know, Hank Aaron was from Atlanta and, you know, from Atlanta baseball. And I'm sure having this here in this contentious political environment voting and then trying to celebrate Hank Aaron and Jackie Robinson. And that's a hard sell. (laughs) It's a hard sell. Well, Doug, I want to go back to that Marist poll from 2015. One of those poll questions touched on the idea that baseball has long been a game traditionally passed down through the generations from fathers to sons. And the data, as you're about to hear, might suggest another theory as to how and why baseball has lost touch with Black America in recent decades. Here's more on that from Bryant Gumbel. Compared to whites, blacks are half as likely to play the game with their sons. Baseball, of course, has famously been passed from father to son for ages. That's why it's no accident that among baseball's best African-American players, the vast majority grew up with active fathers. But today, roughly half of all black children are growing up without a father in their lives. And perhaps as a result, they're growing up without baseball, too. What are your thoughts, Doug? Do you buy that as a potential factor? I buy it as a potential factor. I think there's a lot of factors. And anytime that I've tried to understand or express the diminishing participation of of Black talent in baseball, I realize that there is no one elegant answer to it. It is it's complicated. It is, it's, it's white flight from cities and the suburbs. It's incarceration rates. It's, uh, you know, fatherhood, uh, it's interest, it's cultural incompetency, it's, it's, it's power. So there are many elements to it, but, uh, there's no doubt that baseball being a family oriented game in its spirit. And if the family, uh, not just fathers, you know, mothers or whatever it is, if you're in an environment that doesn't, uh, have that, in a certain strength behind it, and then you're celebrating some of the traditions connected to that, then what happens is you might pick different traditions, especially one where you're questioning whether you're, you have enough of a welcome mat and in the first place. So uh, I'm sure families are engaged on different things. They're just also making different choices. And baseball uh, in the Black community isn't really one of those primary choices anymore. Doug, there are a number of sports with overwhelming Black representation, and there are lots of Black ballplayers, but many of them happen to be from the Dominican instead of from, say, Louisiana. So to people who say about the lack of African-American baseball players, so what? What do you say? Well, I would say that baseball is a diverse sport. 
It is. I mean, 30% of the players are from Latin America. It is a diverse sport. It's just, it's not a black-white diverse sport. It's an international diversity. And to me, that is a great opportunity, actually, because uh, you can demonstrate what it's like to work with different kinds of people and for a common goal. Every spring training, I would show up and there'd be players from all over the world trying to figure it out on how to become a team together. That's a great lesson, not to mention being in an environment where equity is important. You have to have rules that are fairly distributed and enforced for everybody for the game to really have fidelity and integrity. So I think it, to me, makes athletes uniquely situated to engage on these social questions. Uh, and these sports are definitely doing more of that now. Chris Rock says you need black America to win over young America. And the feeling, as we discussed earlier, that baseball just isn't cool <laughs> means the game is dying. Uh, that's a harsh prognosis. But do you share that fear? No, I, it was uh, poetically said. And But yes, there there is a challenge in that you talk about culture and the input of, of the black community on culture and having a tremendous legacy in that regard. Uh, and I think, the, as he's pointing out, is that there are environments where this is important to lay the foundation of youth interest. Uh, now, dying, I don't know, it's, maybe it is dying from this interest level. I know there is a lot of policy attempts to try to uh, attract players, whether through the draft or try to find ways to bring in and compete with other sports that draw black players very easily, like basketball or football, per, per se. And um, and there's no doubt that part of it, and I know Chris Rock alluded to this, or maybe directly stated that that right way to play has to be more inclusive. It has to include a, a sense that culturally you are in tune. Because what we're seeing now is it's not just about, oh, okay, I'm allowed to play here. It's also about, is this sport going to take on some of the issues that I confront every day just driving to the stadium. I mean, so for example, if I'm going to be a manager in Major League Baseball and I check all these boxes, and in, on paper, I guess I do, you know, I had the Ivy League thing and the and whatever, as a former player, and I never had managerial experience, that's, that's the manager of today. If I check these boxes, and the last box I check is black, and that accomplishes some of the diversity initiatives or whatever, representation, the question isn't really about checking the box, but are you understanding what it means to that candidate to live in that box? So it's not about color by numbers. You have to actually really gain something and understanding about what this means. Because uh, one example is if I take the job at the Boston Red Sox or the Milwaukee Brewers or the Denver, you know, Colorado Rockies in Denver, it's not just me choosing that. I have to now move my family. And now I'm thinking about where am I going to live? What neighborhoods am I going to be safe in? Am I, if I'm jogging down the street from Fenway Park, you know, is that a safe proposition after 10 o'clock at night? Like, I mean, these are things you think about. So the more that they understand the holistic experience and feel, and people believe that you will have our back and really have really everyone's back, then it's a lot easier to see yourself in that chair and therefore on the field. So last question for you, Doug, do you see baseball developing that understanding and this culture changing, or do you expect we'll be having the same conversation about a dearth of African-American players and fans in five years and 10 years down the road? They have a tall order. They do. I do believe that baseball has 
made efforts, and, and I do believe genuine efforts and sincere efforts to try to address it. You take a, a general manager of operations or head of baseball operations in Boston, like a Heim Bloom, for example, who's really trying to unpack this. Now, I can't say every organization is committed to this. So, I mean, even the move to the All-Star game wasn't necessarily unanimous by 30 owners. But the more baseball can show that they're welcoming and trying to expand and grow, the more you will actually expand and grow. And you have to take a stand. And it can't just be standing for something. The game has to stand up for something. And, and that means fighting for it, just like Jackie Robinson. So I, I do think the game is is trying. I do. And I think that I, I do see since the six years when Chris Rock said that, I think there's been some elements of progress. The numbers are still struggling. And so they have a lot of work to do to convince that they're really going to continue this because the sincerity will come with the sustainability. And that's what people will ultimately believe. Well, Doug, it's certainly enlightening to hear your perspective on the topic. We really appreciate you joining us to discuss it. I appreciate being on. It's been a pleasure and an honor. And that'll do it for today's Real Sports podcast. We'll be back with a new episode following the premiere of the next Real Sports on June 22nd. And a quick reminder to everyone listening, you can watch all recent episodes of Real Sports with Brian Gumbel on HBO Max. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next time.